Hey up there, how are you going on? I hope you've had a good week. Um, I thought I'd start off this week... Well, hold on. Put my teeth back in. I thought I'd start off this week by making a little apology, to be honest. Last week I had to listen to my own podcast and realised I sounded very dull last week. And although I try and keep this uh, a sort of calmed, chilled out sort of thing, uh, I was a little bit... A bit down in the dumps, I think, by the sounds of it last week. Um, and I realised it's because I had hay fever. So there you go. <laughs> I uh, I don't really suffer from hay fever. Um, but last year, I actually did for the first time ever, and it was awful. Um, so if anybody suffers from hay fever, I know how you feel. I had every single symptom uh, last year quite severely. And it came back a little bit this year. So for the past week, I've not been able to smell anything. Um, I've barely been able to breathe through my own nose. Um, had the headaches, runny, itchy eyes, you name it. Went on the NHS app and every single symptom listed on there for hay fever, I had it. Uh, so yeah, this time last week I hadn't really slept a great deal, so I do apologise. Uh, so anyway, on to something a bit more exciting. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I do have, I thought, I decided, you know what? I thought I'd do a couple of shout-outs this week. Number one, uh, to another leader in my own group, Jim Muller. He's going to s- tell us a story, hopefully. I've been trying for about three weeks to get him to do one, and he hasn't done it yet. So I will continue trying, because he's got a good story. that involves uh, one of our scouts getting stuck in a bog. And <laughs> to be fair, that, that involves Josh Bass, who was on last week, more, more so. But it was Jim's excursion that led... Uh, to a, a location where there was a bog um, it wasn't his fault the scout got stuck in the bog obviously it never is uh, scouts have a bit of a, a mind of their own they're like animals really they're a little bit wild so uh, Jim Muller if you're listening get recording because I have got another email from Kirk so it will just be me and Kirk forever telling stories if, if no one else joins in uh, but also I thought it'd be worthwhile just giving a shout out to our NHS and frontline staff you know, who are helping us through this pandemic and doing uh, so much uh, that it's unbelievable. I do know a couple of people who work in the NHS and they are having uh, quite a tough time with it, so do show your support for them. Um, and locally, the uh, the people who uh, run the Charles Booth Centre down in Thringston, they are helping out with a lot of other volunteers. Um, I'm in a group with the last time I checked about 50 other people who are just running you know little parcels around or um, doing a bit of shopping for people that can't get out basically and uh, last Friday we actually did a fish and chip delivery from Ruby's uh, Ruby's uh, decided they were going to cook uh, I don't know 30 odd portions of fish and chips for these people um, so thank you to them as well um, and also something I read today it's a chap I need to grab my phone in there and have a look at this. It was on BBC News. And this uh, this old chap who's 99 years old, so far has raised about £2 million for the NHS. He's an army veteran and tried, I think, initially to raise about £1,000. Um, but has actually gone above and beyond that now uh, and raised about £2 million. And he was trying to do 100 laps of his garden uh, before his 100th birthday, I think. Um, but yeah, he went past his £1,000 target and has raised nearly £2 million now. So go and look him up and uh, send him some cash. 
fair play to him. Uh, right, let's do a story, shall we? As I said, I'm going to leave the bog story to uh, to Jim, hopefully. But thinking about that one, uh, I'm going to tell you about the, the night I saved Jim's life. <laughs> Which is, uh, it sounds a lot more dramatic than it actually was. Okay, so, I saved Jim's life. Honestly, I did. And this was on top of uh, Mount Snowden in Wales, if you know it. The the idea was, obviously, we were doing the Three Peaks Challenge, and those of you that don't know what that is, you have to climb three mountains in 24 hours. And the first mountain is in Scotland, the second mountain is in um, England, so it's Scaffold Pike. Sorry, let me start that again. The first one is Ben Nevis in Scotland. <laughs> I hope to name the mountains at least. Uh, and then you drive down to England, and you do Ben... No, we've done Ben Nevis. You do Scaffold Pike, or Scarfell Pike, however you want to pronounce it. And then you go down to Wales and you do uh, Snowdon. Well, that's the way we did it. You can do it any any order you like. Um, but we, obviously, living in the Midlands, decided, well, we'll go up to Scotland and we'll essentially make our way back home, um, pretty much. Plus, also, I think all three of us had done Snowdon before at some point in our lives. Um, so we thought, well, okay, we need, we'll end up doing that one in the dark. So let's do the easier one in the dark, or the one that we know better in the dark. So something goes wrong at least. We're in fairly familiar territory because none of us had done the other two before. Uh, so, you know, being scouts as we are, we uh, took all the gear you need, because our motto is be prepared. And uh, should you go and climb a mountain, do be prepared. Because although I joke a little bit about this story um, and saving Jim's life, but um, there was there's quite a serious side to it because yes you can go up a mountain in your trainers in your in your shorts your t-shirt and, and fairly unprepared and you can be okay most most people are I don't recommend it always take the stuff you need look at the weather check what mountain uh, rescue is saying at the time uh, look at the time of year is it covered in snow because you'll be surprised but the difference is uh, somewhere like a mountain is that the there is a fine line between you being very okay and you suddenly being in a very, um, I don't know, a critical state. You might find yourself in an emergency situation very, very quickly. So that's why you need to be prepared. This is actually what uh, we sudden, almost found ourselves in, really. We've been up to uh, Dunben Nevis in a fairly reasonable time. Got down to uh, Scaffold Pike, Scarfell Pike. Absolutely smashed that one out as well. And then drove down to uh, Wales. And it was either driving, they no, must have been driving to Wales, yeah, because I did a bit of the driving then, um, before we swapped over. And I was literally dodging sheep on the way down. <laughs> I was driving along the Welsh roads, which are brilliant. Uh, as a driver they are the good of fun and they're, they're nice to just drive through anyway but motorways are very boring because they're just straight and you're just going same speed just just to see the tarmac uh, the bit the Welsh roads um, and Scotland actually and obviously a lot of parts of England very picturesque so I was driving down the Welsh roads and literally dodging sheep because you know what well Wales is famous for one thing really and that is sheep and uh, they were just out 
in the middle of the night, just knocking about on the road. So I had to dodge them quite a bit, um, which kept me alert, to be fair, <laughs> which is a good idea. So thank you to the sheep. But we got to, uh, got to Snowdon about 10 o'clock, I think, p.m. on the Saturday. Um, we needed to get up and down that as fast as we could and, and finish before 6 in the morning because we started at 6. And as I said, you've got to do it in 24 hours. So, you know, you've got to be quick. And we got up there. Uh, the car park was, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's, it's fairly... Um, when people go up Snowdon, quite a lot of the time, they will drive past this car park because it's usually full to be fair and drive down to the bottom I forget what the little town's called there and there's also uh, it's where the railway station is and you can you can take the train up actually if you don't know that um, you can also walk up uh, a fairly decent path as well but we didn't do that one we went up uh, along a shorter path I think it's called the Miners Track and from this car park you can reach Sorry, no, I think it was the pig track. I think the minus track is the one that goes round the lake. You've got the pig track, and uh, higher still up on the ridge, you have uh, Grib Gok, which um, I don't recommend you do in the dark. <laughs> I've done that in the daytime, um, and they call it the knife edge because it is very narrow, and each side is essentially a vertical drop almost. It's very close, or at least it looks like it when you're up there. So we took the sensible option, went up the uh, pig track, I think it's called, which is midway up the mountain, and uh, tried to get to the top that direction. Uh, we actually cocked it up somehow and ended up losing that path because it is sort of man made, it's got a lot of rocks, stones that are laid out for you to walk across. And we came to the end of that, and rather than think I'll just carry on straight, we might find the path again, we thought it would be a safer option to just go down the mountain a little bit onto the minus track because we could see it even though it's dark um, there's the moon was still out a little bit I think or, or at least we got some sort of some light you know it's not totally pitch black in August um, at night is it really but we could see so we thought alright safer option get down to the minus track uh, and then we'll go up uh, towards the peak from there which meant climbing an extra part of the mountain and it added about 40 minutes on um, to the journey I think so we uh, smashed it up there and on the top of Snowdon there's a cafe actually <laughs> if you didn't know so you can get you some cup of tea um, of course by the time we got up there it was 1am so uh, we we didn't have a cup of tea at all um, we were just surrounded by cloud and, and it was getting quite cold although we were we were hot from from the walking but we could have, you know, if we'd have stopped for too long, we'd have got very, very cold. Um, so we, we got to the top, and where the trig point is, which is like a, it's a kind of a two, three foot high uh, white um, concrete, uh, don't know what to call it, what is it? I don't even know what a trig point is. It tends to have a little compass point on the top, it shows you which, which, which way is which basically and it, and it kind of marks the top of a mountain or top of a, a large peak anyway uh, I ought to look that up but yeah they're always on the top so we had to get up to the trig point this little white concrete thing like a pillar if you've never seen one I suppose um, but on Snowdon that's placed on sort of a man-made structure so it looks as though 
uh, a, a lot of rocks have been piled up uh, and then you have to sort of go up the steps on the side of this pile to the trig point. So what we were doing is dashing to the trig point, getting a quick photo to prove that we'd been there, I suppose, which in fact I've got them on the wall, I'm looking at them now, <laughs> and each one, <laughs> you can't actually tell we're on a mountain at all. Um, it's just it's just foggy in two pictures and then the other one is completely dark and you can only see our faces because the head torches. Uh, but yeah, we, we got to the top of this bit where the trig point was, grabbed a couple of photos, um, Jim's mate Andy started walking back down. I followed him down and then thought, where's Jim? Turn round uh, to find him about to walk off the top of this um, man-made structure. Uh, which, you know, he's only about 10 or 15 foot high, so he wouldn't have fell down the mountain. But it could have quite easily been a broken ankle, or a broken wrist, or even a leg or an arm. And Jim's broke his femur before, so he knows how that feels. <laughs> and, uh, but like I said, it, was, it would have been one of them situations where you've got... Uh, you've gone from being very, very safe to suddenly... Ah, we're in a bit of trouble now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I looked around, and I think Jim, I think he thought he was at the top of the steps, and his foot was pretty much in mid-air. He was about to walk off the top of this thing, and, and how he didn't notice, I don't know, but, you know, we'd been walking all day, we were very tired, um, and luckily we'd, I just spotted him, and I just went, Jim, stop! <laughs> and he suddenly looked down, or looked to where his foot was, and went, oh! Well, that's not the steps at all. <laughs> so, uh, and then and swore a little bit, but yeah, thankfully, um, he didn't injure himself, and we scooted back down the mountain and did the whole three peaks in 23 hours and 28 minutes. So there you go, saved Jim's life. What I will do though is I think is uh, I'll finish with. A, another story from a list, a scouting story from times of old, actually. This one actually involves my younger brother, would you believe? And uh, on this particular camp, um, I couldn't tell you which camp it was, but this story went down in legend a little bit. One thing he liked to do was to go and um, Un unpeg, unzip, you know, whatever, people's tents, <laughs> move tents, uh, let the guy ropes out, uh, all sorts, so they cave in on people, that was his sort of thing, uh, along with a couple of other lads when he was uh, in the scouts, and I think I'd left by this point, because I wasn't on the camp and I don't remember hearing the story uh, first off, it was, it was a year or so later when I heard it, uh, but what my, my brother managed to do, which I thought was quite quite an achievement really. Him and this other lad managed to, well they were going to take down these, this guide's group tent. <coughs> Excuse me. They were going to take down this tent that belonged to a guide group and I think it was a patrol tent. Um, for those of you that don't know, they're quite kind of larger tents, a canvas. Uh, you can get about 10 scouts in there if, if they're small. <laughs> Uh, you can comfortably get about four leaders. Um, they're quite large, about six, seven foot tall, I think. And uh, 
my brother and this lad, uh, I think there's a couple of them this, on this particular night, they wanted to go and let this tent down, but actually changed their minds. They decided to move the tent, because the patrol tents don't always have a sewn-in ground sheet. Um, and like our group, this girl guide group had got, uh, got just a, a ground sheet on the floor and then put the tent on the top, basically, so they weren't attached. And uh, my brother and his mates pretty much unpegged the tent, lifted it up, and actually moved it to the side of where the guides were sleeping and repitched it, and then ran off. <laughs> and uh, they woke up the next morning to find that they were outside of their own tent. <coughs> with all of their equipment and had absolutely no idea how that had happened because the tent was perfectly repitched uh, next to where they were sleeping so uh, there you go anywho as I say uh, go and date some go talk properly go and donate some money to that uh, chap who's walking around his garden to raise money for the NHS and uh, keep getting out and about where you can on your walks uh, do some scouty things and let us know what you're up to and uh, do send your stories to thringston.scouts at gmail.com, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sure it is. If not, we'll, it'll bounce back and then let me know. <laughs> Go on the Facebook page and tell me it's all wrong. But uh, yes, anyway, thanks for listening and hopefully I'll uh, have some other stories for you next week. Bye-bye.